0: As we were every Sunday, uh Sister Amanda and I we we talk and get the songs ready. And I was telling her, I said, the message I'm sharing today is take him at his word. And uh the only song that's coming to me is I will trust in the Lord. I said, but you know I'm 97, so if there's anything else that you think is younger, you know, let me know. But uh she was like, No, we gonna trust in the Lord. I said, All right, let's do it. And the the reason why I love some of the old hymns of the church or the old songs of the church is that it helps us to understand the importance of taking God at his word. The first part of the song, it says, I will trust in the Lord until I die. We learn daily to trust in the Lord. We look at Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I call that my mom's sleepy time prayer or a sleepy time scripture. She's infamous to give me two scriptures before she go night-night. And that's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, or Jeremiah 29, and 11. And I would hear it so much, I'm like, okay, you tired, because there has to be more of the Bible that you can tell me. But it's interesting that in those moments that I was having, how relevant those scriptures were. Sometimes it just takes two. Okay, that old song. It takes, okay, never mind. Y'all, y'all real... Y'all still in, I will trust. Okay, okay, I hear you. I don't know secular, Camille. No, no, we'll wait till pastor's party. Um, But anywho, he didn't hear that, okay. Uh, (laughs) But understanding that the, the word of God is so necessary, and so as we're trusting God, we have to ask ourselves some questions. Do we trust him? Okay, so here's the deal. My parents asked me, you ready to share the word today? I said, listen, it, the questions, the points of ponder that God gave me, it really helped me. So if this is no, nothing else but for Camille Rochelle, ta-da, you get to peek inside what the Lord has shared with me. Amen? Amen. So here's some questions for the day. Okay, um, I work at a college, and I'm helping um, the sciences and the anatomy physiology department. And they always do a pre-lab before you go in the lab. And my medical folks in the in the room, they know about pre-lab. And pre-lab is an s- assessment of questions or tasks to make sure you don't blow yourself up when you get to the lab. <laughs> okay. So here's our questions for the day. Here's our pre-lab. What did he say? Now, someone might be asking, well, I don't know, Camille. We got here so you could tell us what he said. Well, hold on, what has he told you? Because my Bible helps me to know that God speaks to, first of all, he spoke to creation, and that's how we all got here. When he said, let there be, that's how everything got to be where it is. So we know that he speaks to his creation. We also know in the Bible where God used his creation to speak back to his creatures that he created, to speak back to his creation being us. Look over in Numbers. It's a great story over there regarding Balaam and a donkey. But nevertheless, we have this situation where we understand that God speaks to us. So Sometimes someone might say, but I don't know what he said to me. Okay, let me give you a possible, you can talk to Pastor Kermit, Pastor Jones, and Evangelist uh, Henry, Evangelist Jackson. You can talk to anybody else because I'm just little old Millie, okay? But I'm going to tell you, here's how you can tell when he speaks to you. You know his voice is different from anybody else. I know that sounds weird. Like, well, how do I know it's him? He will tell you good things. The scripture says all good and perfect things come from above, from the Father of lights. In him there's no variance, no shadow turning. So if God is talking to you, it's going to be for your good even when it's a warning, it's for your good. So you'll just know. I, I know it's kind of like, well, I asked my dad, well, how do you know when you was in love with my mom? He was like, oh, I just knew. It's one, it's one of those things where you just can't explain it. But it's something about the Lord is that he, he you'll know when it's him. Yeah. Somebody said, you know, I heard this voice telling me or something told me Jesus yet speaks from eternity. So part of our pre-lab, what did he say? I'm just going to give you a few seconds as I get to point two. What did he say to you? All right, point two. Do you believe what he said? Now, I might have some folks who are still on point one. Well, how do I know when he's talking to me? I don't know what he said to me. Well, you're thinking back. The times when he told you to go left, and you went left, and and you was blessed. Or the time God told you, don't go off on this person. And you didn't. And you were blessed. Or the times when God told you, Sam, hush, stop. And you stayed up talking and then all kind of mess and folly befalled you. And you're like, man, I know I should have listened to my first You You follow me? Okay. But do you believe what he said? So we're going to get to Scripture. But this is pre-lab. There comes a point where we have to believe what he said. Now again, this it's Camille sharing with y'all what the Lord has dealt with me I cannot continue to grow because Lord I've been growing exponentially in the horizontal way but I cannot grow spiritually if I keep doubting what he said does that make sense I don't want to be busting out the seams of my clothes but my faith is refusing to grow that don't make sense. Now, I'm not saying the bigger you are, the bigger your faith, because that's the thing. Y'all be like, oh, this girl is massive. She just loved the Lord with everything. She just got it. No, it don't work like that. Okay? Faith is different. You have to grow in your relationship with God. Right? So, as and when, when we said, do we believe what he said? Look through the Gospels. A lot of the miracles that we see, Jesus would say, do you believe? And the one replied, well, help my unbelief. I believe, but help my unbelief. Then you have another, when he said, believeth thou this? <laughs> I love King James, just for that portion there. Believeth thou this? Do you believe what I just said? Because he was talking to Martha, if I'm not mistaken, brother pastor, when Lazarus had died. And he told Martha, I'm the resurrection. Yes. And the life. Listen, your brother might be dead and sick, but don't you believe, do you believe? Right? Okay. All right. Point three. We got, did you do what he said? Now, here's here's the word, the narrative kind of shifts. Whatever he said, did we do it? So if we look, and we're going to look in the passage of scriptures today, we're going to be in 1 Kings, and we're going to be over in Daniel 4, but I just want to give you a little precursor of why in this pre-lab. Did you do what he said? So if you're still on point one, and you're remembering what he said to you, did you believe him? When he said, it. now the question is, did you do what he said? Nikki, listen, we in this thing together, girl. There's been many of times I have not done what he said. Yes. And if some people don't want to nod and agree, they didn't do. No one is obsolete from disobeying God at some point in life. Now, the the purpose is not to make a habit of it. You know, oh, God, I heard you, but no, I got a better way. Let me tell you something. It didn't work in the Perry household, and I definitely can tell you it doesn't work when we do it, God. Number four. How do you feel? Now, I was going to make this a past tense, but the word of God is active. It's alive. So how do you feel? Took you down memory lane for some and some might be pondering and going through and okay, let me look. And oftentimes when it comes down to taking God at his word, when we have done what he, when we heard what he said, believed what he said and did what he said, really the question is, how do you feel? Could be like, I feel great. I'm good, I'm happy, I'm whole, I'm excited, right? I'm in unbelief that it even happened that way. I'm marveling at, the scripture says, we stand in awe of his goodness. You know, we are overwhelmed. Uh, The prophet of Kung Fu Panda said, I'm blinded by the awesomeness, right? You know, we have to understand that God is great. So now let's get into the lesson. 1 Kings 17, I love scripture so much. So, the, the, the focus for today's take him at his word. We're going to focus on verse 14, but I would not be the person that, I, that I've been created to be if I didn't go to some other scriptures, okay? I'm going to share with y'all, please read 1 Kings 17. Read, matter of fact, read 1 Kings, 2 Kings, the Chronicles, 1 and Second. read them all. Matter of fact, just read your Bible. It's good. <laughs> so, I'm reading out of NIV today. For this is what the Lord of God of Israel says. Now, let me, I'm just going to read it and then I'm going to paint the picture. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day of the, day of the Lord, the day the Lord, the day the Lord sends rain on the land. Verse 15. She went away and did as Elijah told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. Verse 16. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word the Lord spoken by Elijah. Okay, so let's go back. Before we get too far ahead, we got to know what's happening here. So what took place in this scenario here, we have a widow woman and her son and the prophet Elijah. These are our three persons of focus today. Now, wonder what took place. Now we can look at 1 Kings 17, 1 through 5, because here's the backdrop of what all happened. Let's take Elijah first, because again, we're talking about take him at his word. Okay, y'all follow me? Amen. Take him at his word. Can somebody say that with me? Take, take him, at him at his, his word. word. Okay, all right, we're going to take him at his word. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord of God Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Dun, 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 dun. That's like, you know, if we had... Elijah nowadays, and he wouldn't came in, there will be no more gas prices height, unless at my word, be like, "Come on, Elijah." <laughs> so what transpired here, King Ahab, here's, a, here's a situation. the situation. Per, another person in this storyline, this narrative, King Ahab, who is not doing right in the sight of God got a bad wife, he's the king over over Israel, but you know, he ain't doing well. He's not a good guy, bless his heart. So verse two lets us know that now Elijah, so the, the portion here is Elijah is fed by ravens, and let's talk about this. The word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kirith ravine east of Jordan. Why is this important? Didn't the man just tell the king, ain't no rain coming? The old song, what that say, Chuggy? Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. Only darkness. Well, okay, anyways, y'all still don't, I will trust the Lord. That's good. Okay, everybody, all right, good, I got one. All right. So God is telling Elijah, again, we're talking about take him at his word. Elijah has to take God at his word. Here's the message to the preachers, the teachers, the speakers, and the believers of God. We got to take him at his word. We can't declare a thing that God has told us to say or do and not believe it. Okay. So God tells them where to go. Verse 3, he says, verse 3, tell them where to go um, to the Kirth Ravine, east of Jordan, verse 4 and 5. Verse 4 and 5. Yeah. Verse 4 Oh, okay, praise the Lord. Okay. <laughs> no All right. Verse four and five. It says, "You will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there." So, there's so many messages in First Kings seventeen. You literally could. I've heard messages when the brook dried up. I heard, you know, God commands all to be fed. You know, I've I've, I've, there's so many words in this. Right. But God is telling Elijah, you will drink from the brook. So here's the thing. Here's what I'm telling you to do. Go to Ahab. Tell him, ain't no more rain till I tell you to say when there's going to be rain. He did it. Then he says, okay, Elijah, you're going to have to go over here to the brook and you're going to drink from the brook. But don't worry, I know you're probably going to wonder how you're going to eat. I got some birds coming, and if you know anything about ravens, ravens don't share with other ravens. So could you imagine the raven detail that was assigned by God when they probably had squirrels and everything else at their whim, and they were like, we got to go to who? Okay. Because God's creation obeys. His creatures obey. It's us that be tripping. Verse 5, so he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kira Ravine east of the Jordan and stayed there. Verse 6, we're going to keep moving. So what happens? The ravens bring him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Verse 7, he then says, now here's what happens. Over the time, the brook dries up because we got to get to the the next of, of the lesson for today, right? So the lesson today, we looked at verse 14 through 16 because we're talking about Elijah, the widow woman and her son. So how does this all connect? Well, the man of God had to first obey the voice of God, had to believe the voice of God, be led by and do what exactly God has told him to do. So he says, listen, the brook, is, the brook dried up and because there has been no rain in land, verse eight, we're now at a place Then the word of the Lord came to him, verse 9 and 10. It says, go out once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply food for you. God is the king of setting stuff up. Okay, let's make it very tangible to today. All of us are in here because our mamas and daddies winked at each other some kind of way and made us. That's exactly how babies are born. Tommy's in the room. We're going to keep that going. It's winking. Okay? And because of that, that means that their parents and their parents, you see them just going back. So, but here's the thing. When God said let there be, he thought about you and I. So when we start to ask about the quality of our life, we got to understand we've been a part of the plan from the beginning. So here you have the man of God declares a thing on behalf of the Lord. He goes through exactly what God tells him to do. Now, here's another portion in here. There's going to come a time later on that the angel of the Lord even brings Elijah hot bread. That, keep reading over in 1 Kings, that's good. But listen, the man of God, as human as he is, but full of the Holy Spirit that he was in. I mean, he did as God told him to do. And now the brook is dried up because there's no rain because God told him not to say nothing yet. He said, but don't worry, I commanded a widow woman. Now, here's the thing. The widow woman is minding her business over in Widow Lane at her widow house with her, her and her widow son, okay? They're having a widow day of fun together. No clue of who's coming to the house. But God, being infinite in wisdom, right, he knows the plans, Jeremiah 29 and 11, that he has for us. He said, I'll supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Listen, I got you. Hallelujah. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? Verse 11. Before we get to verse 11, this is good. I'm glad we did this. We have to reflect. We're going to reflect real quick. Because we already know what happens in verse 14 through 16. You all remember? If not, pull 14 and 16 back up. Because verse, from verse 11 to 13, they're having a conversation. And I'm not going to bore your patience. But I'm going to tell you, if you read it for yourself, you see exactly what's in this story. God is the communication that is happening between Elijah and the widow. It is a full conversation that you know only God could be a part of. He sees the woman gathering and and he says, hey, can you give me something to drink? Okay, I can at least do that. And then he said, well, can you make me some cornbread? Now you're pushing it. Yeah. I can get you a glass of water, but you want cornbread too? Like, hold on, who is you? Yeah. But something, But remember, God commanded the widow woman to feed him. Right. Elijah's going on the word of the Lord. Yes. She's just, you know, she's hospitality, but something on the inside, of, you can make a little bit. Explain the situation. You can do it. Haven't God done that with us? Yes. You know, you sitting at the light, and you see that homeless man or woman, boy or girl, and you know, and you like, I'm just going to go. But something on the inside of you says, roll down your window and roll this up and give this, put it in their hand. But you know, I don't know. Do it. Jeez. All right. Here we go. So. They have a conversation. She explains to him, listen, I, I just have enough for me and my son. I was going to make this meal and we're going to die because, you know, we're in a family because somebody said it ain't raining no more. And she didn't even know she was talking to the one who told the king. Ain't no rain. Boy, that's the good stuff there, too. OK, I'll put a note there. But anywho, they have the conversation. And she goes in the house and she makes him some cornbread. But before she does this, what does Elijah say? He tells her in verse 14, they have a conversation. She said, this is what Elijah says to the woman. For this is what the Lord of God of Israel says. Now we're at the place where the woman is hearing from the word of God. Okay. We heard, we saw the narrative from Elijah's perspective. Now here's the widow woman She got a situation, it's famine, it's dry time, money is low, change is strange, ain't got no man. But this is what the Lord of God, Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. So now let's go ahead and reflect. Let's reflect. Just. The question that we asked in the beginning, what did he say? This is where we got to participate. Stare everybody up. What did he say? What did God tell the widow woman? Come on, Nikki, thank you for participating, baby. I just needed one. The flower and oil wouldn't. and, And listen, when we say take him at his word, I'm saying take God at his word. Elijah was just a man of God. But as you continue to read in 1 Kings 17, she didn't even know just, you know, she was was being, first of all, she was commanded, led by the Lord to even make it. Okay? She was stepping out on faith even to make it. But God blessed because of her obedience. Elijah, the man of God, in relationship with God, he still had to take God at his word. He had to remember what he said. Number 2. Did he do did she believe what he said? Right. <sighs> yes. Come on, this is this, is con- this conversation. Yes. Zoom chat. So believe believe what he said? Why? Because she went in the kitchen. And she st- She started stirring. Didn't have much. And, and and put it together. And what happens after that? Oil and, oil and flour, oil and flour, oil and flour. I mean, literally. She made one little cake, gave it to the man of God. So many messages in here, Brother Warren. I'm trying my best to stay focused on what he told me That's to say. Because here's the thing. The, the, her giving was a sacrifice. We come in church and we sing the song, we bring the sacrifice of praise. I don't always feel good. Sometimes depression and anxiety has me on the low. But when I come into the house or even in my own home in his presence and I lift up my hands and I tell God, thank you. I respond, God, you've been good to me. I hear the birds chirping. God, no matter how bad it might feel, you've been supplying my needs. God, you're more than enough. I might not have what I want, but you're giving me what I need. God, I thank sacrifice. And how he continues to bless. Okay. Number three, she did what he said number four now how did she feel I'm sure she was excited because the scriptures tell me pastor that she knew that he was all right you a man of God but some stuff happened keep reading you'll find out her son gets sick and what she knew she was like wait a minute I need my son to be healed because otherwise it's going to be me in this house. And she asked him, would you bring all this destruction on me? You making me, I got all this flour and oil. I ain't going to have nobody to eat my cornbread. Like, <sighs> and God moved in that situation and restored her son. And the scripture says at that time she knew he was a man of God.
1: Yes. Yes. Sometimes we don't
0: know. Not only sometimes do we not know, sometimes we don't believe. Because natural says, coink-a-dink. Oh, it just happened. Oh, the universe. Mm-mm. The god of the universe All right. commanded the drought. The god of the universe commanded the raven. The god of the universe commanded the widow woman. Hallelujah. The god of the universe. is the god of the universe. All right. Now let's, this is a positive story. Now, let's see what happens when people don't take him at his word. Is that fair? Ooh, tell me more. Say, ooh, tell me more. Yeah, that's the six people still awake. Like, all right, let's go. <laughs> Daniel 4. Have y'all heard about King Nebuchadnezzar? Oh yeah. yeah. All right. I'm not going to take you through all of it, but read Daniel 4. King Nebuchadnezzar, if you notice, I'm starting at verse 4, because if you read verses 1 through 3, it kind of gives away the storyline. But I'll tell you, just in case you don't read it, Daniel 4, verse 1 through 3, Nebuchadnezzar starts off with his testimony, giving honor to God who's the head of my life. (laughs) He starts off with his testimony because he's been through something. We talked about that in Power Hour. Until you go through something, you don't know how much you need God. You might have a form of understanding, but when those trials hit, When the circumstances get too past your extent, oh, and you call on the name of the Lord, how he changes the situation. So Nebuchadnezzar 4 through 18, I'm going to blow through this, so Sister Sandy, just be prepared to keep hitting next. But Daniel, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, is telling I, Nebuchadnezzar, he's saying, uh, I was minding my business, I was sleeping in my palace, and I had a dream one night. And in the dream, keep going. In the dream, he saw a vision. It was a big tree. It was a real long tree, and it all the way up to the heavens. And and uh, uh, all the creation was eating underneath it, and 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 the birds had home, and people were eating off the fruits. And ah, uh, it was it was a big tree. But then the tree gets cut down. I mean, it got cut down to the stump. And so he begins to say. And he's telling his dream, he was like, and I didn't understand what was happening. Because it was bound by bronze and bound by, by gold. It was, it, the root was, couldn't come back up. So he was just like, I don't, I don't know what's happening in this dream. So he begins to tell them, he says, then he says over to the people, he, as he's telling his dream over Daniel 4, verses 4 through 18, he tells them about this tree and how the tree is now destroyed. And then it says that dew was falling on it. Rain was falling on it. And then it was out there with the animals. It it was a bad way. And he was just like, I I needed somebody to tell me what my dream meant. Now, if you read Daniel, you probably wonder, I'm listening to Nebuchadnezzar's story, but who's Daniel? We're going to talk about him right now. Because back in the day, there was Daniel and three Hebrew boys that got over into Babylon captivity. Nebuchadnezzar wasn't a man of God. He was a wicked king. He was a heathen. He served polytheistic gods, and so he uh, he calls for his diviners, his magicians, his sorcerers, those who can interpret dreams. He called Miss Cleo, and she couldn't help him, <laughs> right? Because now here's the interesting thing: so many times we go to horoscope, we go to this, we go trying to find an understanding. And God said, "You can't understand what I made. Amen. You got to go to the one who made it." Right. I can't take Sister, Sister Patricia's Tesla to the Honda dealership and say, well, this is my car I'm driving. They'd be like, well, that's not what we got on paper. You got to take it to the manufacturer. That's right. So Nebuchadnezzar had to take his dream to the manufacturer. So it just so happened that he had appointed Daniel a man of God who loved God, who had an experience with God, was already in the lion's den at one point, but God rescued him out. I mean, it's a good stuff in the word. And so he named Daniel Belteshazzar, which is the name of a demigod that couldn't do nothing for Nebuchadnezzar in the first place. But let's talk about this. He calls for Daniel, a.k.a. Belteshazzar, because he called him, and that, that, that was the first time I read this, that he named, named him that, because he was the chief dream interpreter because he knew the God of the most high was Daniel's God. That's right. When I read that, I said, now, ain't that funny? You appointed the man of God, capital G-O-D, but Nebuchadnezzar wrote it little case G-O-D because he didn't know no better at this point. So Daniel comes to him and and was so what's great about it, Daniel comes into him he, and he tells Daniel the dream, and Daniel's like, ooh, ouch, you saw a big tree, and if that happened, ooh, and how long was it? For seven seasons, oh wow, ooh, and Daniel said he was a little nervous, and, and, and Nebuchadnezzar said, tell me what happened, what does the dream mean, and Daniel said, I just wanna let you know, if it was about anything else, I would have no problem telling you. But okay, get your live on, but it's about you. What you're seeing here is God's judgment on you. You done got too big, too braggadocious, too almighty, and you have left him out of the equation. He don't like that, because what? Go back to Exodus. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. What he said, he mean it. He don't retract it. He don't take it back like, oh, you know what I meant to say. Ain't no asterisk. Don't have nothing over me. Okay. So, he D- Daniel begins to interpret the dream, and let's pause right here. Uh, verse 17. The decision announced by the messengers, the holy ones, because, again, if you read, Verses four through eighteen, Nebuchadnezzar's dream was so intact because he said, "I saw a messenger from heaven." Yes. God was trying to get Daniel's uh, get Nebuchadnezzar's attention. God is merciful and He's gracious. He didn't have to give him no heads up, but because God said, "It's not my will that anyone should perish, but all." come to repentance, and have everlasting life, he gives a heads up. The holy ones declare the verdict. So the living may know that the most high is sovereign over all the kingdoms on the earth, and gives them to anyone he wishes, and sets over them the lowliest of people. God God is so quick to remind us, the people who, say, oh, you're so great. Remember, I bless you to be that boss. I bless you to be that director. I bless you to be that entrepreneur. I bless you with that home. I bless you with that marriage. I bless you with those kids. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Amen. So, We have to remember, because I got to go. We have to remember our placement in God. So Daniel interprets the dream, verses 19 through 27. So let's look at verse 26, Mom. So I took you through the interpretation, but verse 26, I want to pull out some right here. It says, the command to leave the stump of the tree With its roots meaning that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge heaven rules. That might be an encouragement to somebody listening, whether in here or on Zoom later. I might watch this later on in life. When God removes something from you to get your attention, doesn't mean he won't restore you. If you yet have breath in your lungs, he still wants to use you. So you might have went bankrupt. You might have to lose that house, lose that loved one, lose that car. But God is faithful to restore if we acknowledge who's running things. Verse 27. So he tells tells him as he's lending out the the interpretation, he says, Your Majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. <laughs> Daniel's trying to help him. Nebuchadnezzar, listen, man, I, you you know, I need you to know, okay, king, keep living and stuff. But if you would do me a favor, do yourself a favor, renounce your sins by doing what is right, your weakness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be better than your prosperity. It may be that then better then, it may be that then your prosperity will continue. Daniel extends an altar call to King Nebuchadnezzar.. Yes. Now here's what happened. Just give it away. the king didn't listen Twelve months later, a year later to the day, the king was walking on his roof. I picked the wrong shoes today to do some walking. (laughs) He walking on his royal palace in Babylon. Verse 20, verse 30 says, he looking over everything, just like that rich young ruler that we hear about over in Luke. He says, is not this great Babylon I built? He probably did like the LeBron James. (laughs) (laughs) I built this royal residence, my mighty, my mighty power. My, my mighty power yeah. wow. What power we got? Because my scripture says all power belongs to God.
1: That's right. yeah,
0: yeah. For the glory of my majesty, he talking to himself kind of like Kanye be doing on Instagram. <laughs> Putting all this stuff out, my, my, mine. and we need to, it's the Lord living. Yeah, exactly. And blessed be the name of the Lord. Verse 31, even as the words were on his lips, ooh. I hope you, I wish y'all had him like because I could see this happening, and I'm who it got me good. A voice from heaven came from heaven and says, "This is what I decreed to you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. He's no longer trending. Ain't nobody on his feet. What else happens? You will be driven out, driven away from people, and you will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like an ox. Seven years will pass by before you until you acknowledge that the most high is sovereign over all kingdoms on the earth. Can we highlight over all kingdoms? God is the ruler of everything. So even those pagan nations, he's ruler of that too. Just because they ain't lending themselves to him don't mean God ain't still in control of it. It ain't like the earth is fractionally the Lord's. No, all of it. And gives them, go back real quick, and gives them to anyone he wishes, verse 33. Here we say, immediately, what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar back in the dream. God gave him a dream the first, that was the first heads up. Daniel gives him an interpretation and an altar call. He still didn't listen. The dream was fulfilled. He was driven away from people, ate grass like an ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like feathers of an eagle and his nails like claws of a bird. Ugly, okay? Ugly. You, ill. Could you imagine the maid servants and different ones that was in the palace and they, you talking Look, I like Marvel, right? And when Venom be coming in, and <laughs> or the Hulk getting ready, right, it was a mess. God is literally that's why we call him marvelous, right? Because he's okay. Anyway, um, All right, I'm done. Wait. So here's the deal. Ah, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Didn't know you were still with me. Appreciate you. All right. So here's the deal. Let's now reflect. These are Again, for for us to ponder. I've given you two stories. Three stories, technically. Elijah, the widow woman, and now King Nebuchadnezzar. Just hit them all real quick. Hit them all. What did he say? Did they believe, did Nebuchadnezzar believe what he saw? What what God told him? Did he do what God told him? And you wonder how he felt. But keep reading Daniel 4. Yes. Right. It don't, the book don't stop there. Daniel 4, and I'm closing. Daniel 4 says, verse 30, I believe that picks up at verse 36. Uh, he said actually 35. This is what, Dan, this is what Nebuchadnezzar says. All the people of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? Now, if you go back up, verse 34, let let me say this, verse 34 through 38, um, and it's not on the board here. So you can go back to the title slide, babe. But verse 34 to 38, it says, at the end of the time, at the end of the seven years, here's what Nebuchadnezzar says. He raised his eyes toward heaven and his sanity was restored. Then I praised the most high. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. And as he continues on through 35 to 36, and he begins to testify, but here's verse 37. I'm going to clean it close out with this, he says, now I Nebuchadnezzar praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just and those who walk in pride he will humble. So are we going to take him at his word? I hope I have presented enough information, statistical data, to support why we need to take him at his word. That's why we can sing the song, I will trust in the Lord until I die. I, but here's the thing. Sometimes when we miss the mark or we fail the test, it's okay because God is gracious enough to help us to realize that we failed the test and He's going to give us a retake. That's what he did for Nebuchadnezzar. That's what he's done for this little girl you see in front of you. He gives us an opportunity to get right because he loves us so much. So again, I implore you women and men of God, saints and friends, babies of God, take him at his word. Amen? Amen. Amen? Title slide. Hit the mute. Hit the mute.
1: enjoyed the word this afternoon? Um, how many understood the word this afternoon? How many did the word speak expressly to you this afternoon? See, see and, and the one who lives forever, he knows that. He knows the answer to every one of those questions that come from each one of our hearts because He is God, He is eternal, and He loves us with an everlasting love, and He wants the best for us, and now He's spoken to us. If the Word of God has touched your heart today, whoever you are, wherever you are, that's here in this service on today, God is speaking to you. If you've understood and you've you you've applied what God has been saying to you, great. But if you hear under the sound of my voice even now, and you know there's some areas where you haven't said yes, Lord, there's areas to where you struggle with, you don't understand it all, but God is saying, I'm standing right with my hand, with my arms wide open, said, Come on. He said, come unto me, all you who are laboring and heavy ladies, I give you rest. If this word have touched you today, today is your day. Today can be the first day of the rest of your life. And it's not for for people, it's not for folks. It's for you, it's for me. To hear his word, accept his word, apply his word, and move on in the spirit of the Lord. Do you know that God is a gracious and forgiving, loving, kind God? He knows that we're frail. He knows that we make mistakes. He knows that we some of us have been hurt. And we put up the defense shields and we try to cover that hurt up. But God has said, listen, I got a Holy Spirit hammer. And I'm going to start chipping away at those hurts. Where you'll be able to be all that I've called for you to be thank you Lord as sister Amanda blesses with a selection if you're sitting here or wherever you may be if the Lord is touching you as he touches, you just lift up them blessed hands and we're going to go out with prayer and praise on today amen
2: all things that I could do for you and all things that I could say Nothing is better, Lord, I simply obey. The many things that I could be for you, the many things that I could pray, Jesus, I trust you. Say trust and obey. Jesus, you watch watching over me as I trust and obey. Jesus, you watch watching over me as I trust